1: Happy mid-September, footballers, and welcome to the 60th edition of Scoring at the Movies, the sports movie podcast that hits the streets every second Thursday. We spoil the stuff we discuss, so be aware of that right now. I'm the untalented soccer player who got the red card and talks to pitchers on his wall, Ryan Ellis. And here's the bloke who looks brilliant in his trackies, my mate, Lord Christy Gregorio.
0: It's a footy movie, Ryan, Isn't it, Yeah. Isn't it well
1: you're back to being a lord because this is an english movie
0: (laughs) oh that's sweet this is my swan song of being a scottish lord
1: i stopped calling you a lord maybe four or five episodes ago that was a christmas thing you got a christmas gift last year i forget i think we explained why but we're in england so let's go with lord again
0: i'll take what i can get (laughs) i don't have a lot going on these days so i may as well be royal not royalty nobility (laughs)
1: Well, let's first explain the picture behind this man that no one but me can see. It's David Beckham with James Corden in a very passionate embrace. You're covering up a lot of the picture, but it looks pretty sexy.
0: I'll just give you a little bit more of James Corden's <laughs> sexiness right there. It's a the timeless art of seduction, Ryan.
1: And also, what are you drinking? I've got a can of Diet Pepsi because I already had my share of booze, and I have to work in about three hours.
0: I've got my usual fruit-based sour beer going this evening. A nice raspberry sour from Collective Arts Brewery. It was already open. I waste no time. I do not have to work tonight, so I'm going to crack that bad boy up as soon as possible. Shh.
1: I did it for you. Oh,
0: that's good fully work. Sounds almost believable.
1: Okay, before we get going and bend it like Beckham, this is the last episode that will get posted on the Top 100 Project channel. I'll let them all stay there for another two weeks, but by the beginning of October, the only way to get your bi-weekly dose of Scoring at the Movies will be to hit up Scoring at the Movies on its own feed in all the usual podcast places. So Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, tune in, Google Play, I think you said? Google Podcasts. Tell today. me the rest. Deezer, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. So beginning with October 1st, when we do Mystery Alaska, a hockey movie, the only way to get this podcast will be on, scoring at the movies through all of those many places. Okay, well, we'll do a football movie today, but we call it soccer here in this part of the world. So the title in India was, I love this, Football Shootball Hai raba football shoot by high robber football shoot by high robber that's amazing it was released in england and many other countries in 2002 called bennett like Beckham" in england of course but fox searchlight brought it to north america in march 2003 and i saw it on the big screen that spring and i really enjoyed it back then haven't seen it since until last week a few days ago the small budgeted film did very well pulling over 76 million dollars worldwide but I'm guessing this is your first ever viewing, Chris. What did you think of Bend It Like Chrissom? Or Football Shootball High Rabba?
0: I was dancing in an uh, Indian fashion for most of the movie. They did have some good dance numbers. There was a lot of weirdly positive energy for a movie that was mostly about a young sick woman. And I say sick, S-I-K-H, sick, not like sick as in ill, right? Oh, okay. A young sick woman who's being inadvertently repressed by her more conservative parents. Not so inadvertent very advertent yeah, okay in the case of the mother very advertent in the case of the father it felt like inadvertence through protectionism i don't want my daughter to be hurt the same way i was so i'm gonna hold her back but for me watching this for the first time by myself as a 39 year old man it felt a little strange ryan i'm not gonna lie
1: <laughs> okay fair we'll, we'll also say up the top or near the top here that we are not soccer people especially me i can't speak for you but i've never really gotten into the sport i don't give any kind of crap when World Cup is going on the way that so many people do who aren't soccer fans otherwise, except for that one couple of weeks in the summer every four years. What about you, though, with soccer?
0: I'm not a day-to-day sports, day-to-day soccer fan, I should say. I follow the MLS a little bit because, of course, we have TFC, Toronto Football Club, that's had a lot of success recently. I am a fair-weather national supporter for Euro and World Cups, too. I find them really interesting sport spectacles as tournaments they're just so huge and they attract so much attention that it's just kind of fun to watch it even if i don't really care that much i'll root for england or canada depending on which of the two is still in the tournament that's the nationality that my background is but if they both get eliminated i just shrug it and, and move on what about italy what about italy you have italian background didn't i say england and italy what did i say
1: you said Canada and England, didn't you? That's what I heard.
0: Oh, maybe I did. Sorry, I meant to say Italy and England, only because Canada, I don't think, has ever qualified for the World Cup. No. So, If ever, not since we've been alive. Especially given the content of this movie, we should be specific, they have qualified for the Women's World Cup, I believe, because they have a much better okay. national team Canada does on the women's level than the men's.
1: Interestingly, you brought up the woman element because this is a movie directed by a woman, Garinder Chadha, and starring to, well, one girl and one woman, Parminder Nagra and Kira Knightley who of course we all know her she's gone on to become a big star Nagra not so much ER she had a long run on that show When I was still watching she was on that show Nagra hasn't made that many movies only nine in total she was 27 years old though when this movie was made and Knightley was about 10 years younger so she was the right age at least I know that's a pet peeve for you but anyway we have not done that many movies that have been about girls women whatever especially directed by women Girl Fight was, although there's a lot of guys in it. This is mostly the young women in this movie and directed by a woman. So that's a cool element and also a sport we don't know very
0: well. It's the kind of movie that I definitely would not have enjoyed if I watched it on its release. If I'm 21 years old and I'm watching this movie, I'm both too young and stupid to really be able to find the societal aspects of it, like Jesminder's family and the struggles of integrating... Your heritage with your new environment as a first generation. Because I'm assuming she was born and she and her sister were likely born in England, and her parents were first generation immigrants. I think you're right. That's a struggle that I'm sure a lot of people experience. And actually, I don't know if you have ever watched the reincarnation of Queer Eye on Netflix. No. One of the new Fab Five there, a guy named Tan France, who is also from England, but he's a first generation. Englishman, His family were immigrants, I believe, from the same part of the world. I don't know if it was specifically India, but the same part of the world. On that show, he speaks very eloquently in a way that I never could about dealing with very conservative parents that are trying to enforce their long-established belief system on you as somebody who's growing up in the 21st century in a different world, in a Western world, where it's much more secularized and liberal for the most part. That struck me as actually the more interesting of the two plot threads in this movie as near 40-year-old Chris, but I wouldn't have been able to interact with that when I was 21. I wouldn't have understood that, I don't think. And the coming-of-age story of two young women when I'm 21, I don't care about, and now just watching that, it was a little bit awkward for me, only because I was never quite sure how old they were supposed to be. I thought when they started that they were about 16-ish, and then we talk about Jasminder's going to school... And then we see them go into a bar and Juliet gets a beer and I'm thinking, okay, hold on a second. Are you meant to be 19, 20?
1: Okay, well, two things. One is that if you're young and attractive and you're female, you can get into bars that people like us at that age could not have. Second thing is that it says on Wikipedia that Jessminder Bamra is the 18-year-old daughter. So she's 18, apparently. And then Jules is the same age. It literally says on Wikipedia, not that they're always right, but... There's the answer, I guess.
0: So she's 18 in this movie. Okay.
1: And that's the right age for Knightley, although a little bit older than she actually was. And she does look young. She's so slender. She's so thin. And then Nagra is way past that age. But I don't think Nagra looked like an older person at all. I think she looked like she could have been, at least 19 or so, but she was about 27. So the Rotten Tomatoes critics liked this movie a lot. 85% of them said yes. 7.2 out of 10 was the average, and 73% of audiences It was 89th at the 2003 U.S. box office. Lord of the Rings Return of the King was number one that year, and Seabiscuit, which we covered last year, I believe, was 17th in 2003. Bendit, like Beckham, won the ESPY Award, so Best Sports Film. Interesting choice. Seabiscuit, I think, was probably the more obvious one, certainly more famous and made more money, but okay. And Bendit was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Comedy or Musical, although I didn't laugh that much, except at Juliet Stevenson, who plays Keira Knightley's mother and she steals the movie Sheen and her cleavage steal this movie she's pretty funny but she does have the threes company idiot level plot where she thinks that the two of them are lesbians but then again this is a movie that seems to be suggesting that these two girls were into each other and they want to be lesbians and they just didn't go for it
0: like they probably should have i wish they had this movie i think for what it's attempting to do is almost as relevant today as it was in 2002 Like I said, the two main themes, coming-of-age story of two young women, that's pretty timeless if you do it fairly well, and the struggle of adapting your belief system to a new society or vice versa or whatever the case may be. It holds that way, but there were a few aspects of it that were a little cringy to me. One of them was Juliet's mother with the whole lesbian freakout. And I almost thought it was going to redeem it for me when Juliet said, you know, Mom, even if I was a lesbian, I'm like, oh, okay, so she's going to say what's the big deal and so she said it wouldn't be that bad oh you didn't really go all the way with it's normal what's wrong although I did also appreciate was it Tony
1: her friend just is gay, his yeah. friend,
0: when he comes out to her and she says it's fine
1: just to be very clear you said Juliet so I guess her name probably is Juliet meaning Keira Knightley's character but she's called Jules and Juliet Stevenson is the actress who plays her mother and her name in the movie is Paula we should be a little more clear so we're not
0: mixing and matching too much I'll just refer to her as Jules. But that mother character freaked me out. One of the earliest scenes in this movie is her and Jules. The two of them shopping for bras, and the mother showing her a wonder bra with the pump-up cups and all that, and then groping her chest and saying, basically, if you don't have big boobs, how are you ever going to get a guy? And all the girls are wearing them these days, compounded by the fact that later on, i think the next scene the two of them are together again the mother character is saying while you were playing soccer i saw so-and-so your friend in the park canoodling with this other guy so they're clearly banging and you don't have a boyfriend <laughs> so this mother character wants to sexy up her teenage daughter so she can go get laid jess minder's
1: mother isn't going that route but in some ways she is too she wants her daughter to find a man and that's what paul is doing with jewels
0: that's true granted and that's probably the comparison i guess that the script's going for now that you say it conservative arranged marriage go get married as soon as you can kind of approach versus modern go get your man by being sexy approach i suppose but it's still the creep out vibe again as a nearly 40 year old man watching this by myself yeah it was kind of weird for me to watch especially if i had a daughter and i was the father I think the last thing I would want my wife to be saying to the daughter is, come on, let me give you a Wonderbra so you can get a man and go get laid. Yeah, she's like 16, 17 in this movie. It's kind of weird. Your angle would be my angle, which is, you two are
1: good at soccer and you love playing soccer? Do that. Be a kid, too. They're still young. We just said they're 18 years old. But, of course, that's also the third angle on this. So it's dress up sexy or it's be conservative. And the third angle is, no, just be yourself Whatever that might be. And you cast two good-looking people like Knightley and Niagara. That helps as well. But they just want to play soccer. And they both also do have a thing for Jonathan Reese myers Joe character.
0: Another terrifyingly skinny man.
1: Yeah. But it feels like that's wedged in there too much. I don't think that either of them really sell... Well, they do a good job because they're good actresses of selling that they're into him. But I'm not sure that they are. I think it's better sold that they're into each other.
0: I think that's true, too. And I think there was a huge undercurrent of that through the movie. My favorite aspect of their dual pursuit of the Jonathan Rees Myers character, this is an amateur women's sporting club, right? The Hounslow
1: Harriers. Hounslow, or am I saying that right? I think Is an actual part of England. It's not that far from London. Maybe it's a suburb or something like that of London. It's not that far from it anyway. The Harriers team is made up, but apparently the girls who play on that team with our two stars are real soccer players.
0: Yeah, I read that too. But the team in the movie is an amateur team. And the only reason, by their own admission, by their own description of the team, the only reason it exists is because Joe blew up his knee, couldn't play anymore, and decided to create this women's team, sort of at the hounding of jewels, by the way it's described. But he created it, and he's coaching it. And then there's this whole description of, especially later in the movie, towards the end, when he gets together, kind of, with Jasminder. And it's like, well, you know, the fact that I'm a coach, and so this prohibition on banging my players is not a thing anymore. You created the team, you run the team, what is stopping you? If you like a player on your team, I'm not saying he should just go sleep his way through the team because he's a sleaze bag. But what's stopping you? Did you write up some sort of bylaws that prevent you from doing it? Because you know you're a horn dog and you won't be able to stop yourself otherwise. It was so. Weird. He's his own <laughs> HR department. <laughs> I'm going to have to report me to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: a fair point. Well, at the very end of the movie, we'll skip ahead to the very last scene before the credits fully roll, and that is him playing cricket with Jess's father while Jess and Jules are away at school in Santa Clara. And I don't mean this to be a lantern like that. I'm just saying that these two girls, of course, they could just be friends. There's nothing wrong with the movie portraying two girls just being friends. But the movie skirts that lesbian line the whole way through, and I'm fully for it. I wish they'd gone over the top of it, especially with a woman director. I'm a little bit surprised they didn't. But maybe they thought, we can't alienate foreign audiences. I'm not sure what they're like in England, especially in 2002 or three. if they were conservative that way. They probably had to think about, well, they definitely had to think about the American audiences being bothered by that. So that's probably why they didn't go over the top of it. And you cast a guy who's a bit of a journeyman, but I think at that point, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers, they thought maybe could be a star. He can be the middle point for them. So another love triangle kind of movie. The two of them belong together as friends, the two girls do, and they probably belong together as lovers, if that's what they really want, but that last scene with Joe playing cricket with her father is almost like, well, I'll just bide my time, and I like this guy anyway, but I'm hanging out with him just so I can be here when Jess comes back, but he might be in for a rude awakening when she does come back.
0: I gotta ask, when you saw this movie in 2003, how much Jules, Jesminder fan fiction did you find online to support (laughs) this theory of secret lesbian taboo love from bandit like beckham i found zero back then
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it may have been the same time frame if not the same day i saw whale rider that same year what a beautiful movie that is not a sports film at all but definitely recommend whale rider that was a good feminist year in that sense in america two young girls are the main stars of that movie But when I came home from Bad Night Like Beckham, I think part of the reason why I liked it was it was different. I hadn't seen very many soccer movies. I guess there's, what, Ladybugs, that Rodney Dangerfield movie. Victory with Stallone in the late 70s. But here are two people I'd never heard of before in the starring roles, a director I'd never heard of, and a whole different angle on things, which otherwise the movie is basically what we've seen before. It's not that creative. I'll do a nutshell, by the way. I've got two in a nutshells. I think they both apply very much here. A soccer league of their own. The story really owes a lot to a league of their own. The other nutshell, My Sister's Big Fat Indian Wedding, because this definitely also owes a lot to My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which was out the year before this. Another feminist type of movie.
0: For all of my awkward feelings about some of the scenes in this movie, particularly when they did two or three weirdly lingering locker room changing scenes with the young women for some reason. I think what the movie was trying to accomplish, it actually did, and did it pretty well. It just wasn't aimed, I think, primarily at me as a target audience. Then or now. Then or now. I don't think it's totally out of left field for you to say, oh, I enjoyed it when I went to see it as a 3rd year old guy. I get that. We weren't the target audience that it was made for, clearly. Mm. They did a really great job of setting up this whole family, especially Jasmine's family. Jules's family, the mother is a goofball, and the father is just a doting father that wants his daughter to play the game she likes. But Jasminder's family, where they really focus their attention, they do a great job of building each character. The father that wants the best for his daughter, but suffered disappointment himself, and so has fallen back onto his conservative values, and just wants to prevent her from suffering the same kind of hurt he suffered through prejudice, through whatever. The mother is just seemingly a very conservative, sick woman, so she wants her daughter to follow that conservative life, graduate from high school, get engaged, maybe go to college, and then get married and have a family. Do what I did. Yeah. And her sister, which I thought was a really interesting character too, because she pays lip service to the conservative values of her family, while finding every way possible to sneak around, have her fun, and then ultimately meet the parents' expectations on the surface.
1: Publicly. But privately, no. She and her boyfriend, eventual husband, have absolutely done it. Maybe the movie isn't 100% explicit about this, but they've done it before. They're supposed to have done it.
0: They're at makeout point by the airport in the car. Of course they've done it. I don't think that was even meant to be anything other than oh yeah, they're well. The movie's not explicitly
1: showing them doing it. That's what I'm saying. Is that it's a PG 13 level movie? I think, or even PG.
0: A really lengthy and explicit lovemaking scene in the middle of this movie <laughs> would have been kind of edited. It's PG
1: by the way, not PG 13. PG. So that's probably one reason it wasn't even more explicit than it is.
0: They did this great job of building up these characters, building up the relationships within the family and building up the frustration that Jasminder as a young woman in this environment is feeling because she's at times supported by her family, mostly her sister, but by her family generally, at other times at odds with them. But the way they brought it to a head, I really didn't love because it's, okay, this amateur soccer game, but the scout is coming to see you play and like, eh, alright, whatever. And your sister's getting married because it's the only time we can book the venue is on the same day for your sister's wedding. I'm sorry, but in the grand scheme of things, your close sister's wedding versus a soccer game is not really a decision. Life does not stop. You can still try out for soccer teams at your college of choice thereafter if you miss this final. So the fact that she was sad and pouty at the wedding the whole time undercut the eventual touching moment where her father says... As you would expect, right? The father caves in because he secretly went to see her play earlier. Key moment. But it was undercut to me because Joe comes to tell him, right? Joe comes to say... Tomorrow is the final, Esko's going to be there. So if at the wedding he tells Jasminder, all right, you can still make second half, go play and come back in an hour and a half or whatever, and we'll finish the party. But instead he says, okay, go play, and I want you smiling. I don't want you pouty and sad, ruining your sister's day. Like she's
1: an eight-year-old yeah. or a five-year-old.
0: What should have been just a gesture of giving and reconciliation with his daughter becomes, ugh, I can't stand you to be like this around here anymore. I didn't really love the way they paid that off. I would have preferred a slightly different approach to it. But aside from that, there was a lot of nice, touching family moments towards the end of it when everyone comes together and they hug it out and kind of almost kiss.
1: <laughs> well, they've got a lot of people in this movie playing the family who I guess are fairly well-known in India circles. Archie Punjabi did a lot of TV. She's the sister? She's the sister.
0: She's 100% been in other stuff. I've seen her in other things. I just can't place her and I didn't know what her name was. She's Pinky Bamra.
1: But their father, Anupam Kher... K-H-E-R is the Doctor in Silver Linings playbook. He is apparently a giant star in India. He so was very good. So they had a bit of a coup getting him to be in this movie. Incidentally, Punjabi was nominated for multiple Emmys for The Good Wife. So if you've ever seen The Good Wife, she was definitely known for that.
0: Oh, maybe that's where I've And seen San
1: Andreas, her. she's in that too. The Rock movie. So she's been in a lot of different things. And the mother's not as well known. She is Shaheen Khan. But it is a loving family. The thing I said to Bev, because Bev and I watched this together is that it isn't as much fun or as funny as I remembered it being the first time. It was nominated for the Golden Globe musical. And Parminder Nagra, I think, does a good job playing the character. You say musical? Well, it's the same category. They make comedy or musical be the same category. So every once in a while, a Hairspray or a Chicago will be in that category or even win that category. But that's how they get around not excluding musicals at the Golden Globes. So it was nominated for that but didn't win it. But Nagra in this movie, I feel like she's a bit of a sulk not that much fun the posters and everything show her smiling gleefully i think i've talked about this in other movies before where the promotional stuff shows characters who are not happy in the movie if at all then rarely being happy <laughs> that's true. and that applies to her she's not a happy character at almost any point in this movie including at that wedding when her sister's more important than her soccer future and maybe that's a nice thing it is a nice thing actually in this movie that she can do both she gets to play in the soccer game at the end she bends it like Beckham at the very end which she failed to do earlier in the movie when she had an opportunity to free kick kicked it right at the goalie's chest and it was an easy catch for the goalie but at the end of course she scores the winning goal with a bend it like Beckham type of shot nice payoff but she also gets to go back to the wedding Pretty much nobody knows. Well, I guess her mother briefly knows she wasn't around, but she doesn't even know that she wasn't there until later on. (laughs) She
0: got distracted by two people making out in the bathroom, and she got all flustered. She had a literal, like, oh, my moment. She clutched her pearls, if she even has pearls.
1: (laughs) Yes. right. So Jess gets to do both, and that's nice, but it also is a little bit too cute and clean, I guess. But it's not Nagra's fault. She does a good job with this character. She is the main character, obviously, of the whole film, but she isn't much fun. And so, like I'm saying, the promotional stuff is a little misleading in that sense. But the movie does have a lot of laughs. I think primarily from Juliet Stevenson as Paula, Jules' mother.
0: She's the intended source of most of the laughs. I actually got the most enjoyment out of partly Jules' father, because he had a few dry, mumbly, under-his-breath kind of things. And I think one of the lines he said was when Jules' mother was trying to convince her, go get a boyfriend, dress sexier, all that kind of stuff, And he kind of mumbled, if she never has a boyfriend, that's okay by me. You mentioned that this movie ties itself up in a neat little bow. And it really does, to the nth degree. Everybody's happy, everyone gets along. Joe's theoretically going to hook up with Jules and all that kind of fun stuff. We've talked a number of times about movies where the team miraculously wins the championship and maybe they shouldn't. We don't really know how good the team that Jules and Jesminder play on. We're led to believe that Jazz and Jules as a duo are very good. We don't know how good the team actually is, whether they were an underdog in this final or not. We only care about their future, not the team's future. Essentially, yeah. So the fact that they're losing one nothing and Jazz shows up after half.
1: Jazz, I like
0: that, Jazz. Well, isn't that what they call her? <laughs> Jess, Jazz, whatever?
1: Well, I think it's just Jess, because it's
0: Jess Minder. Oh, okay. If you want to call her Jazz, I'll go with that. I'm going to go with Jazz. I like Jazz more. So she shows up and then they come back and win the game on her free kick when she bends it like Beckham. This whole movie, they use the bending of rules and bending of conservative values and stuff as like a trope through the movie, right? It's all about these young girls bending the expectations of those around them to try to find their way through. And the fact that the movie caps this whole bending theme with Jez finally getting that perfect bent kick around the blockers and beating their netminder, I kind of like that. This is one of those rare times, it suits the movie, it works. The bridge too far for me was that relationship with Joe. Why they needed to sort of resolve that in such a way that, oh, okay, Jez and Joe are going to get together, and I guess Jules is just okay with it now, because she was super pissed off about it earlier in the movie, and they never really talked about that. They didn't resolve it anyway. It's kind of like what you talked about. There's a sense that the two young women are finding themselves at this point, and have found each other both as presumed best friends and possibly more than that, you can still have the scene with Joe and Jez's family playing cricket at the end just because they're friends now, right? Joe, as coach, has visited Jez's family twice to try to advocate for her. They can become close in a way that isn't, well, this guy has now got a romantic interest in my daughter. And I think that would have been a nicer way to wrap it because this whole movie is about young women, well, young people generally, trying to figure out what their path in the world is and to suddenly say well they've been railing against this notion of predestined marriages right and there's a I think what was meant to be a joke earlier in the movie when Jess says oh yeah my sister's getting married it's a love match which means it wasn't arranged and then her friend says well could it be a white person could it be a this could it be a that and she basically says no to everything except it has to be an Indian guy yeah it's a free choice within this very narrow band of English society That's an aspect of your life that at 16, 17, 18 years old, you don't really want to be locking yourself in, probably, unless you've just been some lucky person that's found your soulmate at 18 years old, I suppose. They fought against being compelled to do this thing and being locked into this conservative societal box. Ah, you know what? Actually, Joe is their romantic interest and their soulmate, so we're just going to put Jess with Joe and they're going to live happily ever after. I didn't care for that so
1: much. Well, also, the mother is so against playing soccer and she's probably not thrilled she wouldn't have been thrilled if Joe was bona fide a love interest because he's not really bona fide as far as they know again forgetting Jess and Jules whatever they may feel about each other just Jess and Joe a lot of jays in this movie
0: <laughs> there are a lot of J's but then there. the
1: mother's convinced by her father just saying I want her to fight for what she wants and like you said earlier I don't want her to be held back by racism or being put in a box And it's one of those kinds of movies, and we've seen plenty of movies like this, where the mother just hears one little speech, a good one, okay, fine, I relent, I guess because the movie's
0: over, and they just have to end it. (laughs) Yeah, it's the reverse of the classic pitch meeting line, right? Because the movie has to happen. Well, this one is, because the movie has to end.
1: She's already said, and no football, so many times, that's laid on really thick. Yeah. No football, no football, we get it, you don't like football. What we do learn a lot, by the way, in this film, and it's great, about Indian culture. If you didn't know before, you'll learn during this movie. And I think you said this already. They love to dance. They know how to party. Bollywood films show this generally. Slumdog Millionaire. Bever and I covered that a couple of years ago. Really know how to party in India. And then the various cultures that follow along. I think the Caribbean has some of those elements too. Especially the West Indies, obviously. And they know how to use color and spices. I've had Indian food a few times. Not a lot. And when I have, it's not my favorite. But I'll give them this. They really do not make it bland. So in that way, I tip my hat. But I also say, woo, a little bit goes a long way.
0: This movie made me hungry because... Jez's mother was just on her the entire movie. You need to learn how to make pakoras, you need to learn how to make dal, you need to learn how to make all of these Indian foods that I love. Mm, tasty, yeah. And of course there's numerous scenes of them making food. One of the aspects of the movie that I struggled a little bit with, actually there's two that I want to mention, but the first one to do with Jez. Why can't you have it both ways? Not necessarily from the parents' perspective. If you say to me, well, they're very conservative. This is the way they were brought up. This is the way their forebears were brought up. And this whole idea of a more open society is very recent, right? So I can understand them saying, this is the path you will follow. But from Jez's perspective, she makes so little effort to meet them halfway... Maybe this is me expecting too much of teenagers. You can still go play soccer and learn how to cook traditional Indian cuisine. It's not like I need to go practice 27 hours a day so I have no time to learn how to make Indian dal. We
1: should all learn how to cook. I wish I'd learned how to cook a lot sooner than I did. Yeah, it's a I valuable I finally skill. learned how to cook pretty much anything when I was 34 years old. I knew how to cook almost nothing until then. I wish I'd learned sooner, and that's on me.
0: And that goes for a number of other things, up to and including the insistence by Jez's father that she can't play soccer because she has to immediately become a doctor. Why? She's 18 years old. If she spends a year or two playing soccer at university, I don't know what the UK's process is for accrediting doctors. Lawyers can go straight from high school to law school in the UK, whereas in North America, you have to have an undergraduate degree from university before you go to law school. So maybe it's like that. But all I could think is, you want her to go to a post-secondary school, she wants to do that too, so that she can play soccer and see if she's really good enough to pursue some sort of professional career. The two things don't necessarily seem at total odds to me, if you're using that argument, because you can go to Santa Clara, get your undergraduate, if you decide, you know what, med school is for me, or law school, or whatever her father wanted her to do, then you go to post-secondary, not post-secondary, sorry, then you go to graduate school. That rang a little bit funny to me, as did the father's argument or rationale as expressed for not wanting his daughter to play soccer. I was a great cricketer, and I was told I can't play because of my head covering. That's not the thing for Jez, right? She's been invited to the team. She is wanted on this English team, and he's telling her no. It's the opposite.
1: Jez has the angle that is a cliche in Hollywood, and apparently it actually happened to Lana Turner. She's just living her life, doing something she's good at. In the case of Lana Turner, it was just standing in a drugstore, getting noticed by somebody and saying, Hey, her, in this case, for my soccer team, in the Lana Turner example, for my movie. But that's what people want, is to be noticed doing something they're good at, because they're good at it. And Jess is as good, if not better, than the boys she's playing against when she's noticed by Joe and Jules and gets onto their team.
0: I can't tell you how sick I am of just trying to live my life quietly and having... All these professional sports contracts thrown my way, all these movie offers thrown my way. Leave me alone, people. I just wanna record this podcast in my basement in peace. Is that too much? Mark to Marin ask?
1: keeps coming to you all the time. <laughs> Bill Simmons will not leave us alone to be on his sports. Joe podcast. Rogan is on my doorstep right now. <laughs> Joe Rogan, there you go. Maybe the most famous podcaster going these days. Now, one thing about this movie as well that I thought was not a bad thing, but just noteworthy, is that they worked Nagra's real-life leg scar into the storyline, explaining why she wouldn't want to wear shorts. But it got me thinking about two fairly big stars. Well, one is huge, the other one's pretty big, who also have pretty notable scars and have pretty much never been commented on in previous movies or any of their movies. Maybe this is the whole sexism thing. You have to address it on this good-looking girl. Why would not she wear shorts? But Jonah Hill's right arm, I think it was a dog bite. Some movies you see it, but not a lot of them. And then Harrison Ford's chin scar And I was going to make that the nutshell Which is, but she's got a leg scar She's (laughs) hideous And of course she's not at all No one would ever judge her for having a scar on her leg Even somebody who wants to sleep with her Isn't going to dwell on that for any more than a few seconds They notice it, oh there's that thing Okay back to what I was doing before Which is being intimate with you
0: They gave that brief lip service, too. When she's first told, put on your uniform, and she has to wear shorts, she can't wear her track pants anymore, and she's all hesitant and worried about it. I was sure it was going to be because her family kept telling her, you can't wear skimpy clothing, you can't be running around showing off your arms and legs, all this kind of stuff. So I thought it was more of that being drilled into her her whole life and instead was that but her mother
1: talked about show off some cleavage though so it
0: couldn't have really been that i guess not but they do reiterate don't dress in skimpy clothing it's a weird contradiction in mores from that perspective i understand what they were trying to do to a certain extent and i've seen other documentary shows where they talk about young women in particular it is a double standard of course men get these scars and it's masculine it just makes you sort of look dangerous or rugged or something in the case of harrison ford at least I've seen documentaries where young women with much smaller scars than Jesminder in this movie talk about growing up and just being traumatized by their... Slight imperfection? Yeah, slight imperfection. Just being taunted and teased because it's a slight scar. And so I can understand how Jesminder's character would feel self-conscious about it. I just wish you either don't address it at all or maybe make it something that is a little bit more meaningful to the character before she has to expose it, because it kind of felt jarring a little bit.
1: It could just be that Garinder Chatta, the director, is putting in something into this to say she's not flawless, as good-looking as Parminder Nagra is. She's not completely flawless, so she won't be accepted by anybody, whether it be a man, whether it be a movie audience, whether it be a Hollywood movie audience. And maybe that's her subtext in there. Now, she wrote this with her husband, who works with her all the time, most of the movies, if not all of them, Paul Burgess, or Burgess, whatever his name is, and also Guljeet Bindra, who only ever wrote this one movie, wrote it with them. So I wonder if that's maybe supposed to be a subtext by a lady director putting this in there. Let's address this flaw you have, Parminder, and make it a storyline because you're going to be judged this way in Hollywood for one little problem versus other guys like Ford who have more noticeable scar issues. Maybe that's the point.
0: Yeah, maybe. And if that was the intention, I just wish they fleshed that out a little bit. Maybe she grudgingly puts on the shorts and gets out on the field, and an opposing player says something cruel about it or something like that, because these are teenage girls. And I don't say that because they're girls, I say that because they're teenagers, and teenagers are often just very cruel. Regardless of gender, I wish she had experienced something that we could experience with her as a result of the scar, rather than her just immediately being comforted by Joe and then it's never addressed again. Yeah, She's upset about it, Joe comforts her, and then we're past it. So it just felt like something that wasn't terribly needful. But you could be right. It could have just been an attempt to point at the very obvious double standard that exists for women in Hollywood and society generally, I guess.
1: Well, Jess and Jules, incidentally, the two characters, wanted to play, especially Jules, for the WUSA, Women's Soccer League. But they shut down operations later in 2003. So the very year this
0: movie came to North America, the WUSA League went bye-bye. I don't follow a soccer table closely, certainly not back then. I didn't know there was a Women's League in existence back then. I don't think Major League Soccer, the current Men's League, came into being until later that decade, right? I think... There was an attempt earlier to have a men's professional league as well that collapsed and then there was a 10 or 15 year period where nothing was in the States from the men's league perspective. I didn't know there was still a women's league back then until... Jules just says, hey, look at this, turns on the television, and just conveniently, there's a clip package of all the best plays from Woosa just playing when she turns it on.
1: Don't we see Mia Hamm in there? Because Mia Hamm was supposed to have been a title on this. I forget what they are going to call it. Make it like Mia. Or move something it. Something like that when it came to North America. Move
0: it. Move like it like Mia. Mia. When it came to North America. There you go. Now it would be twist it like Trump or something, and then it would be all about <laughs> public perception well, no. and truth. It would be move it like Megan
1: or Pino. I don't know The that outspoken is. lady soccer player. You don't know that name? You should know that name. She has got some brass. I like her. She's cool. Good player. Very ballsy. Maybe bordering on arrogant, but in a great way.
0: Okay. I'll have to look her up. Well,
1: while you looked that up, I'll talk about the director again, Shada. So she directed Bride and Prejudice, obviously a playoff of Pride and Prejudice. I think it was after this film. And then Blinded by the Light came out last year or the year before that, something like that this is probably her best film but not like Beckham is but she was born in Kenya and grew up in London so she can experience what these characters I guess the parents at least in this movie are experiencing she likes her montages there's lots of those the movie relies on pop music we get songs by both Sporty Spice and Posh Spice of course David Beckham's wife at that time and I think still is now it wasn't the Spice Girls it was them doing their own thing And unfortunately, we saw the 4x3 print from the library. But we got it from the library, we paid nothing, and that's cool. So it's also a 185 to 1 movie. We didn't really lose that much in the transfer. What did you find out about Megan Rapinoe or Rapinoe?
0: I have seen her interviewed before. I didn't know what her name was, but she has a very distinct look. The pink hair, and the short crop, and all that kind of stuff. So I do know her. She's an interesting character. Within the context of the movies we watch for this podcast, we got a rare shoe shopping montage in this, which we don't often see. The Costner sports movies have done very little shoe shopping. That's true.
1: That's true. Or Woody Harrelson movies we've covered. Very little of that.
0: I don't know. I would have appreciated a scene of Rocky going shopping for his jogging shoes or something. I like me some Adidas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they go to the pub for some reason, which was a really weird scene that confused the heck out of me. If you're just going to have a scene where the two young women have to go sit down and look at Jez's new soccer cleats, why does it have to be a pub? This is where I start asking myself, is Jules meant to be 21 or something? What's going on here? I'm confused. (laughs) Aside from the fact she is all over Joe the entire movie, and I'm pretty sure his character is supposed to be in his 20s. He's running a bar. He's been through what they were through some years ago before he injured himself. So the fact that she as a 16-year-old, I guess, was just draping herself over this guy in his mid-20s, and he wasn't making much of an effort to really push her away. Now, it is Kira Knightley, and as creepy as that age gap might have been, she's still an attractive woman, although not helped by the early aughts fashion. I don't know if you dug that as much as I did, but seeing some of what they were wearing in this movie, especially <laughs> when they were like, let's go clubbing, and Kira Knightley pulled out the most Ostentatious, glittery, weird, flowy top thing, and I was just like, "Oh, that is pure 2002. That was amazing." All that was missing was frosted tips on some of the guys.
1: Well, you brought up the scoreability factor in a way, and yes, Kier Knightley actually was too young for us by a country mile back then, in reality, and the character. All the characters are supposed to be too young for us, so this is a bit of a dicey angle on this. But <laughs> danger can will you score. In? Danger. <laughs> <laughs> All the actors, Jonathan Rhys-Myers too, who was mid-twenties when this movie was made, are lovely, very likable people, especially the two main stars. Although, Parminder Nagra's character is not the most likable sometimes, but she's human. I liked her well enough, despite the fact she could be pouty. They do have chemistry, and this is more about relationships and marriage than most sports movies we've covered before. The older people marriage, the younger people getting married, meaning her sister. So scoreable our age we can't say that to younger people they probably can but at least it's good looking people very appealing and by the way for a score i'd give it a solid seven out of ten i think when i first saw it would be more like an eight but i'll give it a seven not the most original movie in the world but it's fun juliet stevenson is really funny she steals the movie i don't think you said when we started this if you actually liked it tell me about the scoreability factors tell me what your score
0: is and all that I'm going to steer a little bit clear of the scoreability factor for exactly the reasons you said already. Fair enough. That said, we do get some scenes of Jasmender's adult sister making out with her boyfriend. And they're both reasonably attractive people. One of the things I did like about this movie, I'm sure it's at least in part due to its small budget. But there are scenes early in the movie where I think it's Jasminder's sister's pinky?
1: Pinky by the way I just looked it up she going into this movie was about 30 years old in reality so she's definitely old enough for us to ogle if we want to
0: yeah I figured that would be about the case I think it was her and her friends or maybe it was Jasminder's friends were ogling some of the young men in the park what I appreciated was that none of these guys were Hollywood shredded in the way that is unrealistically portrayed nobody looked like a superhero on the field the guy that was the most jacked. Kind of reminded me about the dude from Caddyshack. This guy is what 80s buff looked like. A fit guy, but the kind of fit you get to be just by playing a lot of sports and eating reasonably well, not by jacking yourself full of steroids and paying tens of thousands of dollars for personal trainers to come 18 times a week. So I kind of dug that from a scoreability perspective. Realistic body image, at least. Score-wise, a 7 out of 10 is fine. It accomplishes the feel-good nature that it wants. It tells, I think, a pretty effective story about two young women that are trying to grow and find themselves in their respective circumstances. And it touches on it in kind of an interesting way by getting into the Sikh or Indian culture angle, which is not something I think i would ever seen in quite this level of detail before, because I don't watch Bollywood movies, certainly.
1: You said Sikh earlier. I didn't know what you meant by that. You mean as in Sikh? S-I-K-H?
0: It's pronounced Sikh.
1: Look at the stuff I'm learning
0: tonight. Okay. North Americans, by default, we call it Sikh, but it's actually pronounced sick.
1: Oh, we also say Sheik, but it should be Sheik, as an Iranian Sheik, but it's a Sheik. Kind of a similar
0: idea. I do want to point out two things that I really did enjoy about this movie, one of which you kind of touched on, which was the partying aspect of the culture, which was a lot of fun. But there were two shots that really brought that home for me. One was the wedding shot of the backyard. Huge party going on, and then the camera pans out. Yep. And you have got a row of empty backyards, and then a white English woman doing her laundry. Next door. The next door. very next door. It's shortly thereafter, followed by Jez's mother on the couch with two of her older friends. And one of these ladies, who I assume is in her 60s or 70s at this point, turns and says, Ugh, these English they hate it one way party always complaining about our parties i love this elderly woman complaining because she's partying too hard for her neighbors or something
1: and <laughs> she's retirement age
0: herself. that's cute and the father character Jesminder's father i should say was one that i really enjoyed watching him go back and forth to the front of the house to put up the celebratory lights and then take them down and then put them up and then take them down and then put them <laughs> up again i was like oh that's fun that's a good shot He's so long-suffering in so many ways, doing his best. As a whole, I think I kind of liked it, but I appreciate what it was trying to do, and I think it did it better than most, actually. So I can understand why this was a little bit of a surprise hit back in 2002.
1: And we don't know much about soccer, but this seems pretty solid, and these girls can really play. If they can't, then they sure fooled me.
0: Yeah, apparently they went through like a three-month boot camp, and Kira Knightley, in particular, was a pretty natural talent, at the old okay. footy. And the nice thing is it's meant to be amateur sport.
1: Yes. Yeah, they're not pros. They don't have to be that good.
0: You see them make some nice plays, but it doesn't have to look like it's Cristiano Ronaldo playing in the final of the Euro or something, right? Because that's not the level that they're trying to portray. So it was good. She plays in the park. That's what she does. Jasminder does by default before she gets recruited for this team. So the fact that you see her just messing around in the park a lot, that's why she's so good. It's not that she's hacky-sacking cabbages in the kitchen when her mother's trying to teach her how to cook she's actually getting out there and playing even if she's not allowed to play on a team
1: okay in two weeks we'll cover hockey for the first time in nearly 10 months as we take a peek at russell crowe on skates in mystery alaska this will be the first movie we've covered in a long time that was nominated for the sports category of the top runner genres mystery alaska was And I know it's got a pretty good cast. I haven't seen this one in a long time either.
0: This is another movie I've never seen. So before I go into it, I just need you to forewarn me. How many people does Russell Crowe try to bludgeon with a telephone in this movie? Well, that came four years later when he was doing, actually, no, sorry, six years
1: later when he was doing Cinderella Man here in Toronto, another sports movie we should probably cover one day. So at that point, he probably was only half bludgeoning one person. So a half bludgeon.
0: He was more threatening, slash, nudging it against oh, their no, face. He, he
1: hit them, but only a little bit. They walked away clean. They were fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see. Just like pitchers in baseball might use. A warm-up ball that's either lighter or heavier depending on their training routine he was using one of those foam telephones right. like as a warm-up exercise and so just bludgeon them with that first before moving on to like the full 1950s style telephone that you could just take out a puma with if you had to yeah, right you
1: felt it when he threw it at you but not that much <laughs> you knew he was there he was a star. He could get away with what he wanted to in the late 90s and early 2000s. Okay, we are on Twitter. I am at MovieFiend51. He is at ScoringAtMovies. This podcast can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Deezer. I didn't write them all down. Everywhere. It's everywhere. And this is the last time an episode will ever go on to the Top 100 Project by the beginning of October when we post Mystery Alaska. I'll pull them off the Top 100 site, so if you want to keep on listening to us do this, and you should, then you're going to have to start subscribing to us, or just finding us on our own channel, Scoring at the Movies. All right, that's it for Bennett Like Beckham, so take her easy on the pitch, dudettes. I know that you will. In it. In it.